There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. It's Friday night. It is time for Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. How's everybody doing out there? It was a slow week in the NFL. Not. Uh, We got lots to talk about. Lots of Raider-rated material. Also, uh, and joining me tonight in just a minute will be my co-host tonight. That is Mr. Evan Grote. He is the host of the Just Pod Baby Raiders podcast. If you don't subscribe to it, it's okay. We won't hold it against you, but you got to go do it now. So make sure you go uh, subscribe to Just Pod Baby. Anywhere you get your podcasts is where you'll find it. It's part of the Sports Not family along with us here at Silver and Black tonight. We're booming up and down the West Coast 50,000 watts of Raider goodness. We got lots to talk about. Lots of changes in the AFC West. Lots of changes with the Raiders roster. We're also going to get Evan's expertise and hear what he has to say about the combine. We talked about it, Mo and I, last week. By the way, Mo's off today uh, because he's working hard. He's learning to like mint chocolate chip ice cream. And so we're giving him time to do that. Actually, he's on assignment. He's really busy with some NFL coverage with the, the league new year around the corner and over everything that's been happening in the league. He's off covering that for Bleacher Report. He will be back uh, next week. So Evan's going to sit in for him. Uh, But also on the show tonight, I'm really excited as we get to interview who I believe is the best sports agent, especially when it comes to the NFL of all time. That is Lee Steinberg. Lee Steinberg is going to be with us. He's going to talk about the Calvin Ridley suspension. That was another news item this week. Calvin Ridley suspended for gambling on NFL games. We're going to talk to Lee about that. We're also going to talk to him about, oh, some guy who wears number four for the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr, and the situation with his contract. Getting it from an agent of this caliber is remarkable. So we're going to do that. And then we're even going to ask him, there's you know labor strife in Major League Baseball again, but the NFL, no stoppage. No stoppage since 87. So so we're going to talk to him about why the NFL avoids it and what that means for professional sports. So we're going to do that. But joining me now, uh, I bring in my co-host for the night. That is Mr. Evan Grote from the Just Pod Baby podcast. Evan, thanks for being with us here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. And listen, I don't want to get anyone overly excited out there. I'm no Mo Moten, but uh, <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> I'll try my best to keep the seat warm for him here until he gets back with you on next uh, next week. Well, and 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 you, unlike Mo, um, you like mint chocolate chip ice cream. I do, I do. Okay. You know, I, there's not many ice cream flavors out there I don't like, but yes, that, that, that's definitely in my top five. Yeah, exactly. My gut says the same thing. My dad bod has definitely uh, been contributed to from uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream. But Evan, we we, we kick off the show uh, tonight. Yesterday, wow, a lot of things happened around the NFL. A lot of things happened in the AFC West over the last few days. A lot of things happened with the Raiders roster. So let's start first with the Raiders roster. We are a Raiders show after all. Um, Raiders, 
basically cut loose Alec Ingold. They could sign him, but they did not tender him. He's coming off the ACL injury, so Alec Ingold's future with the Raiders does not look good. A really good guy. I was never overly impressed with Alec Ingold outside of what he did off the field and his story. It's an amazing story and an amazing guy. Uh, I was around him a few times uh, during my time at Raider Nation Radio and leading up to that, that COVID season, but a great guy. Corey Littleton also cut loose. Colton Miller's contract uh, was restructured as well as the Raiders free up space on their roster. These move, Evan, they were not as splashy as some of the other ones we're going to talk about in a minute, but the Raiders are clearly looking at their roster. Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels are looking and saying, hey, what do we need? What do we jettison? And how do we free up space to go get some free agents and free up some moves? What do you think of the moves uh, this week that the Raiders made? And what do you think it signals for free agency? Yeah, what I think it signals is that they realize they have to improve this roster and, um, you know, freeing up some cap space was a big part of doing that. Uh, This tells me that they may have their eye on a big fish out there in free Mm. agency. And I hope that big fish is a cornerback, JC Jackson, who is a former member or will be a former member of the New England Patriots. Um, I I think he has to be their number one target right now in free agency. The cornerback position uh, is a big need. Uh, They they need to find a second cornerback to play alongside Trayvon Mullen. And um, they they found a good one in the draft last year, Nate Hobbs. So uh, I like the, the decisions that they made today. Corey Littleton was a bust of a free agent signing. So that moved, uh, freed up, you know, $11 million in cap space. So it looks like right now they have roughly 40 to $42 million, um, going into free agency. So they can be aggressive here and and look to sign some, some top end free agents. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Evan, when we look at, um, what's going around the league, of course, we saw Bobby Wagner of the Seahawks, uh, released. Here's an eight-time All-Pro uh, who uh, has played in just an amazing situation. But with the Seahawks, and we're going to get to Russell Wilson in a second, they make that change. They get rid of Russell Wilson. They now jettison Bobby Wagner. They're in full rebuild mode. A lot of Raider Nation out there says, oh, Bobby Wagner. Now, all fan bases, when a player of that caliber gets cut, says their team should go sign them. You look at a Bobby Wagner, you look at how even though he's been so productive and so good, the position of linebacker, and if you look at what they're going to do on defense under Graham, the new DC in Las Vegas, is that a possibility? Any other free agents? You're talking about freeing up money to go get guys. Is there anybody else out there that you see as a target on defense so far? There's going to be more names out there. But so far, do you see anybody that the Raiders legitimately should maybe target? Well, again, I think I think when you look at the needs that they have on defense, de- defensive tackle uh, should be an area where, that they're looking to address. Um, but I, again, going back to cornerback, I think that right now is one of the, the gl- most glaring needs they have. And there, there's a couple guys that I like that uh, are going to be available. I mentioned J.C. Jackson. Stephon Gilmore is another guy who has a history uh, with the Patriots organization and, and the new head coach and, and the general manager. So I think he's a guy that would fit. Uh, with the Raiders. And I don't think he would totally break, uh, b- break the bank. I think he could be a little bit more of a, a less expensive option should they decide to go there um, and, and look to uh, sign him. And then the, uh, there's another cornerback that I think uh, that, I, that, I, that I really like is, is Carlton Davis uh, of, the, of the Buccaneers. Mm. Uh, he's a younger cornerback, uh, would fit well in a man-to-man uh, s- scheme. And, um, you know, he's, he's a young player in this league and he's had, a, he's, a, he's had some, some success. So I think, uh, 
those are the three top corners that I think the Raiders should be aggressive in going after. Yeah, no doubt. And and Evan, you look at also. Um, let's let's go to the to the to the board. My my paint chalkboard here. Some people like this. Some people don't like it. I kind of like the hominess of it. Anyway, for those of you listening on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio, uh, you're not seeing what I'm talking about. But if you're watching on YouTube, our simulcast, you'll see it. But I have on here, Mr. Wilson goes to Denver. Of course, the first big AFC West move this week was Russell Wilson being traded from the Seattle Seahawks to the hungry quarterback, hungry, I should say, Denver Broncos. The Broncos now get the quarterback that they've been missing. They have a really good young offense. They have a good defense still. Uh, and and if you look at what they were able to do, I saw a lot of Raider fans dismissing this move. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's terrible, including some really well-known members of the media saying, well, Russell Wilson's best days. I mean, some of these people out here saying Russell Wilson's best days are behind him. I don't see how you say that. But if you look at the balance in the AFC West, I don't, I'm not a believer that somehow this move suddenly makes the Raiders the fourth best team in, in the division. I'm not saying that at all, uh, but some people are. Uh, but I think that this makes the division better. You now have Mahomes, Wilson, Herbert. Herbert's young. He hasn't won anything yet. As much of his raw talent and what we saw his rookie season and much of his sophomore season with the Chargers. Uh, if you look at that situation in the AFC West, this is a really big deal. And I think people are overlooking it and saying, oh, Denver's still going to be not be good. I disagree. I think his best days are actually ahead of him, Russell Wilson. And that's not a bad thing for the Raiders. I think, you know, when you're in a division um, and you want to win and you want to be a Super Bowl caliber team, you want to beat good teams. You want to be in a good division where you're going to be able to, to, to really compete. Um, what do you think of the Russell Wilson trade? What does it mean for the Raiders? What does it mean for the AFC West? Well, first of all, I, I think it was a good trade for both teams. Uh, you yeah. know, the Pete, the Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson uh, relationship that that ran its course there in, in the ten years uh, in Seattle, and it was a successful run. Uh, two Super Bowl appearances, and of course, they won the one Super Bowl over Denver. Uh, but but clearly, there was a, a philosophical uh, divide between the coach and Wilson, and, and you know, from a Seattle perspective. You mentioned it, total rebuild. Uh, they they let go of Bobby Wagner as well, so they're they're going to completely hit the reset button. And they they were able to recoup some of the first round picks that they gave up to get Jamal Adams a couple years ago, in, in addition to uh, a couple other picks and, and a couple good players as well. So um, I, I think I, I like what they were able to do in that trade. And then you look at it from a Denver perspective, they get an elite quarterback. I still think he's at when, when healthy, um, a top five quarterback in this yep. league, uh, a, a great leader, great locker room guy. He 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 immediately um, you know turns that team into a le legit contender um, in the AFC. I think you 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 combine him with some of the weapons that they have around him. Cortland Sutton, uh, Jerry Judy, I think is going to finally reach his potential. Um, he's got a, a great running game, a pretty good offensive line, and a, and a top five defense last year. So I, I think you know Denver has to be in the conversation as one of the top teams now. Uh, in the AFC. So what does that mean for the Raiders? It means the Raiders got a lot of work to do. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned some of the other quarterbacks in that division. I know there's been a lot of controversy out there on Raiders Twitter about, you know, Derek Carr being the fourth best quarterback in that division. Some people don't want to hear that, but yeah. the fact of the matter is, you know, uh, there, there's not going to be an easy or a, or a, a, a week off in, in, in AFC West division play this year. You got to bring your A game every year, Patrick, or every game, I should say. And Patrick Graham, he has his work cut out for him. He he really has to, um, you know, 
get, get his defense together because, as I said, each AFC West opponent this year is going to be facing a, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I don't des- I don't necessarily agree with the thought that Derek Carr is the fourth best quarterback, and I'll tell you why. If you're talking about raw talent, maybe, even though Derek Carr is a very talented quarterback, Justin Herbert has some unbelievable skill sets uh, that I think Derek Carr doesn't have. But yet, Justin Herbert hasn't done anything yet. He's put up numbers, but as we know from a lot of Raiders fans, numbers don't mean anything. you got to win games. you got to win playoff games, okay? So to me... Uh, I, I think that remains to be seen. Now, the AFC West also had somebody come back to it on Thursday, Evan. Somebody, Raider fans, oh, they might be a little familiar with. Number 52, Khalil Mack and that massive contract. Who's you know Khalil Mack's had injury issues in Chicago. His production has gone down. He is now going to the Los Angeles Chargers. This one surprised me. Uh, that it was the Chargers. It didn't surprise me that Khalil Mack was moved. I had a feeling, we talked about that before, I had a feeling he might be on the move, but the fact that he goes to a division rival uh, surprised me. What about that? What do you think of Khalil Mack? I think Khalil Mack at his best is going to be about 70% of what he ever was with the Raiders, but 70% of Khalil Mack is still a pretty good uh, player. Still a player you're going to have to account for when you're the Raiders and you have to play him twice a year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, initially when I saw the news come down uh, on Thursday, I, I, I was I was very surprised to see the move. I you know had no no idea that you know he could possibly end up with the Chargers. Um, but after having some time to kind of digest the move, I agree with you. I mean, this is not the player that he was with the Raiders when he was uh, you know making All Pros, All Defensive Players of the Year, uh, things of that nature. I mean, he 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 was injured a bit this year. Uh, I think it's safe to say his better years are behind him. That, that being said, he's still a very effective player. You, you team him up with uh, Joey Bosa on the other side, and I still think he can be effective. I still think that he can affect games. But, yeah, I do agree with you. I don't think this is the player that we saw, you know, in his years with the Raiders. And so, um, you know, but that, that you know, he, he should definitely help that defense, and they need some help along that line. Yeah, there's no question. And, and, and clearly, you, I think there's FOMO happening. Evan, I think there's fear of missing out from Raider fans, and I don't blame them. I understand it. Listen, I'm not sitting here advocating that the Raiders make moves because everybody else does. I don't. I don't agree with that. I believe you know. You brought in Dave Ziegler. You brought in Josh McDaniels. These guys have rings. Okay, they've been part of successful organizations, uh, and I think Ziegler is going to do what he thinks is best for the team. So you don't go out and make moves because everybody else is, because Aaron Rodgers signed his big deal, because you now have Russell Wilson in Denver and you have Khalil Mack in L.A. with that horrible organization. That's why it surprised me, because the ownership of the Chargers and that organization overall have just been horrific, in my view. Um, as a former Charger fan who grew up watching the team, too, I, I, you know, I lived it. But I will tell you that I just think the Raiders, they need to do what's best for them. So I, I caution fans not to get too upset or excited either way about what happens because we're early in this process. You have a lot of free agents and you have a lot of names who haven't hit the waiver wire yet. You have people who could possibly be traded who haven't been traded yet. So I would just say slow your roll a little bit there. But when we look, Evan, at the Raiders and what they need to do and some of the needs you talk about, we talked about here on this show, Mo and I, last week about the Combine. The Combine had just started last week 
on Friday, and um, it's now complete. We kind of got a good assessment of what's going on. We know the Raiders, as you mentioned earlier in the show, they need a defensive tackle. They need help up front inside. They need a cornerback. They could even probably use a safety. They need a wide receiver. They need offensive linemen. When you look at the combine, you followed it very closely. What three names jump out at you as, as people who impressed you that you think should be on the Raiders' radar? Yeah, my first one isn't necessarily any hot take, but you know, it's a it's a name that I keep seeing popping up in, in first round mock drafts to the Raiders, and he did not disappoint at the combine, and that's wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State. I think you know you saw the forty time. Uh, he he obviously showed that he has the deep speed that the Raiders need. You know, when they lost Henry Ruggs, that offense struggled. It struggled to score points and it struggled to move the ball through the air. So they need to find a replacement that can, that, that has a s- similar skill set that can stretch the defense that can help open up things underneath for Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. And I think that uh, Chris Olave, he checks that box. Um, unlike Henry Ruggs coming out of college, Olave is a much more polished route runner. Um, and he, oh, yeah. he, he, he doesn't drop many balls either. He has a, a 4.9% drop rate last year at Ohio State, so that's excellent. But uh, I, I just think that when you look at the tape and you look at the, the combine, uh, you put that all together, He to me, he seems like one of the safer picks uh, at wide receiver in this draft that I think will be available at pick 22. So um, the one thing I do worry about him though, is he, he's a bit of a smaller guy. He's not exactly, you know, he's, he's only 188 pounds. And so, you know, we saw some of that issue with Henry Ruggs in his rookie year is, you know, getting off some of those, those press coverages that uh, the the bigger, more physical uh, cornerbacks in the league will will try to use on him. So that is one concern I have about him. Um, Another player who I thought obviously really stood out. He was the talk of the combine. And again, at a position of need, it has to be Jordan Davis. Um, another guy who I think will be there, possibly be there at pick 22. Uh, he, he totally, you know, blew up the, the combine with his 40 time weighing at 341 pounds to run a four, seven, eight. <laughs> I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yes. And, and so again, he has the tape to go along with the dominant combine. Um, I do have some concerns with him as well. And that's the fact that he only played 25 snaps a game uh, this past season at Georgia. His conditioning was a problem. I believe he lost 20 pounds prior to the combine. So is that something that he's, is he going to be able to keep that weight off at the next level? Is he going to be disciplined enough to do that? Uh, Because if so, I think he can be a factor uh, as a pass rusher right now. He's more of a, you know, he'll, he'll eat up blocks and and be a help against the run. Um, So um, I liked him. And and then the, the other player that I thought, you know, did a really nice job of the combine was a a tackle offensive lineman out of central Michigan, Bernard uh, Rahman. And, um, you know, he comes from a little bit smaller school playing Mm -hmm. in the Mac conference, but he is a terrific athlete converted from a tight end. Um, to an offensive lineman, he's only played the position for two years. Ah, so this would amazing. be more of a project, although they say the ceiling is extremely high with a player like him. And if you like big guys that can move really fast, like Jordan Davis, Bernard uh, Rahman fits that bill. So those are three he guys does. that stood out to me that I think should all be there in that in that range of 22. And, and, and I think they'd all be good fits for the Raiders. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm an Olave guy. I mean, like I was with Ruggs, I don't I don't often become fanboys of, of of prospects, but I just think he fits for all the reasons you said, the route running Evan Evan Mo and I talked about it last week too, by the way, because his hands his hands are money. 
The kid doesn't drop balls. I mean, and so so you're right about the size, uh, but if the Raiders can address maybe uh, the other wide receiver position with a bigger body wide receiver, uh, then I think he fits the bill uh, as well. We have about 45 seconds here before we, we head to our first break here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, also simulcast on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Just Pod Baby. Also, you can subscribe to this show if you miss the show for any reason uh, or you can't catch it live. You can also subscribe on wherever you get your podcast to Silver and Black tonight as well. Evan's going to join us back here towards the end of the show. We're going to cut to a break. When we come back from the break, I'm really excited. We're going to be joined by the super agent himself, the legend, He's, he's represented more Hall of Fame players than any other agent. That is Lee Steinberg. So make sure you stay tuned and stay with us after the break as we come back here on Silver and Black tonight. Southern California's only All Raiders talk show. Evan Grote, Scott Branson with you tonight. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this break. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. back to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. Thanks for being back with us and joining us now. I'm really excited about this one uh, as we bring in, to me, the greatest sports agent of all time. You want to call him a super agent, whatever you want to call him. He's represented a record 12 Hall of Famers, including Raiders great Howie Long, 64 first-round picks, names like Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Bruce Smith, John Lynch. Current players include Patrick Mahomes, Jerry Judy, and of course, uh, PJ Johnson, who's on the Raiders on the reserve uh, roster for the Raiders. And we're going to talk to him tonight about a couple things. But Lee, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being with us tonight. It's my pleasure. All right, well, let's jump in. The reason I, I reached out to you, too, was about this Calvin Ridley suspension. Of course, Calvin Ridley suspended for a minimum, they're saying, the language there, of the 2022 season for gambling on the NFL. He says $1,500 worth, a couple parlays. And here's my question for you. As someone who represent all, represents all these great athletes, all these great NFL players— when they come into the league, um, what's the first thing you tell them when it comes to gambling? And what's the first thing they learn when they report to their team once you have them under contract uh, about gambling? And is there an excuse for this, really? There's a clause right in the contract that refers to staying away from gamblers. And the existential threat to professional sports, not just football, would be that if a player was gambling and ran up big gambling debts and became indebted to a bookie, perhaps that player might shade his performance in Mm -hmm. a game. And, of course, that's a threat because our presumption when we're watching any NFL game is that we're watching a game played with both sides trying as hard as they can with the only variable being athletic performance with the same rules level playing field if you ever thought that players were shading or coaches were shading or someone was uh, 
not giving full effort, then it would enter the uh, realm of wrestling, right? You know mm -hmm. it would be phony and, and they would lose it. So we know that bad player behavior doesn't sink professional sports. We've had plenty of it in the NFL is by two times the most popular sport in the country, also the most popular uh, TV show. But this mm -hmm. is a major fear uh, and always has been in professional sports. It's something could invalidate the way in which we treat it as real. Well, when you when you look, Lee, at, at what's happened and the, the suspension so far that, that Ridley has been given, which is all of the 2022 season, um, and then you fans have a tr have trouble with that because gambling now is becoming so much more prevalent in society as all these states since the Supreme Court decision are allowing it. The NFL, let's face it, in bed with 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 gambling as far as their Caesars deal and other deals that they have going. William Hill, you name it. Um, so a fan looks at it, and, and I agree with you. The integrity of the sport is 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 key here but when you look at it and somebody says well so, uh, uh, one of the nfl players not one of your representative players but one of the nfl players could be in a domestic violence situation where they assault a woman uh, and they get three or four or five games sometimes but then calvin ridley gambles fifteen hundred dollars i know that's a little bit of an unfair moral connection there but what do you say to fans when they look at gambling as less harmless than like an issue like domestic violence so gambling is uh, something that, that virtually everybody does at one time or another in their lives. And you're so right, it's hypocritical. Once the league started having teams by part of fantasy sports betting ops, and once teams had Indian casinos advertising mm -hmm. inside their stadium, there's a way at which sports has been a little bit pregnant. But the issue here is not the relationship of professional sports to gambling. It's the relationship of an individual player um, or, or, or a coach betting on the game. Do they have inside information? Of course they do. Mm -hmm. Do they have an advantage? Of course they do. Um, I think we're going to see paramutual betting in stadia very uh, quickly. So that you'll be able to go to a Raider game, step up to the uh, booth, and and bet on which team wins the coin toss and mm. and who's the first team to score and all <laughs> the various and sundry bets they have. So I think this is quickly on the way, but still there needs to be a separation between players and that. And you might, if you go back into the distant past, Paul Horning, who was a big star for the Green Bay Packers, mm -hmm. um, was suspended for a year. Alex Karras was suspended for a year. So this is not unprecedented. This has uh, happened before. And I think they just want to be vigilant in keeping this line between um, <clears throat> doubting whether or not someone is uh, uh, in cahoots with a gambler and the rest of it. So you're right. There's hypocrisy here because the league has embraced gambling in a way it never did before. And look, the fact we have the Raiders in Las Vegas, <laughs> people swore for years there'd be yeah. no professional sports in Las Vegas because of the casino. Well, they have a red hot Raider team and they have a red hot hockey team mm -hmm. that's really transfixed the city. 
Yeah, no doubt. Lee Steinberg of Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, of course, uh, the super agent joins us. And Lee, uh, to, to close on this before I switch subjects a little bit in football uh, and, and more of what's happening currently in the game versus uh, outside of the game with this situation. We, we talk about those closer ties to the NFL. And look, you pointed it out. The NFL is not just a sport. It's a TV show. It's an entertainment brand, entertainment business. And so so the gaming that's involved with that, we see Calvin Ridley. This is the second suspension we've seen in, in three years around gambling on the NFL by an NFL player. Do you think because of those closer ties that we might see more incidents, even if a player just slips up and it's not uh, a serious issue, but they've still violate the rules. Do you see it happening more because of the prevalence? I don't think so. I think that players know and understand that they give up a variety of rights to have all of the, uh, uh, things that come to them from pro sports. In other words, they can't smoke marijuana Mm -hmm. uh, where it's legal in a number of different states. They, uh, uh, if they got in a fight in a bar, they get disciplined. So they know they're under a microscope. And the trade-off is that, yes, you could bet in another form but I think when you look at the severity of the penalty, you just uh, stated that this player had been suspended on the same issue um, mm. before and uh, or had confronted it. So he was on notice that people were uh, focused. They have a massive security apparatus in the uh, NFL, which would allow them to, to pick this up. Um, so I think, a prior always is going to escalate the level of penalty. And I think um, that Ridley will be a uh, warning flag to other Mm. players to stay away from gambling. Yeah, that's interesting. Again, Lee Steinberg is our guest. And Lee, um, I want to switch to uh, a Raiders situation. And that, of course, is Derek Carr. We saw this week in the AFC West, of course, you represent Patrick Mahomes uh, and got him a very, very nice deal uh, a few years back. Um, but you look at what's happened in the AFC West. Russell Wilson now in Denver. And, of course, we heard late in the week Khalil Mack being traded to the Chargers. The AFC West as a division is getting really, really good. Uh, but Derek Carr is in the last year of his contract. The number of 35 to 40 million per season for him to perhaps get an extension from the Raiders uh, is 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 what's been thrown out there. If you look what's happened with Aaron Rodgers with Russell Wilson this week and some of the other activity we've seen around quarterbacks and the fact that the draft isn't great with quarterbacks this year, uh, what do you think of the Derek Carr situation? If you're his agent, and I don't mean you to question a colleague. But he, he's always been someone that they said will take a discount. And I always blister at that because as an agent, you're, you're supposed to get the best deal you can for your client and your client's supposed to uh, look to you for that. What does Derek Carr do in this situation? And do you think he commands the upper end of that figure between 35 and $40 million? So here's the question. If not him, who? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Because it's become critical to, to have a franchise quarterback to make any headway in the playoffs or to get to the Super Bowl. Football has become a quarterback-centric game where that one player has more influence over uh, different aspects of the game than anybody else. So it's become a quarterback value game. 
So the first thing to say is that if a team doesn't have a franchise quarterback, and let's call that someone you can win because of rather than with, someone you can build around for 10 to 12 years, and importantly, someone who in times of crisis thrown a couple interceptions, the crowd is booing, the center's looking at the quarterback like he's on hallucinogens, <laughs> um, and the game's getting out of hand, can he compartmentalize, adopt a quiet mind, and elevate his level of play to take a team to and through um, the playoffs to the Super Bowl. If you have one, teams don't give them up. Uh, the Russell Wilson situation was an aberration. Normally, mm. uh, if, if they hadn't had some dissonance, he would have stayed there for his entire career. So if you're the Raiders, you have to figure out, does Derek Carr fit that definition? And, you know, he played well this last season. And if you think he fits the definition, then every new contract is going to build on the contracts of the other people. So Rodgers builds on Mahomes, and then Derek Carr will, will build on that. So is he Aaron Rodgers? Well, arguably Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the game. I'd argue Patrick Mahomes, but um, <laughs> is Derek Carr that? Well, maybe not in terms of achievements, but he is their quarterback, and and he did play well. And you know, for better or for worse, their their Derek Carr is the answer. Suppose they don't extend him; he plays out the contract. First of all, you have unrest and and uh, unhappiness mm. potentially at that position, which is nothing a team ever wants to do. This is why you don't see these quarterback contracts play out publicly with with holdouts and bitter things. You don't mess with that position. But second of all, how do you replace them? You go into the draft? Well, we know that it's at the very top of the draft. You can draft a franchise-type quarterback, but then does he pan out? And we've mm -hmm. seen histories replete with examples where high draft picks at the quarterback position don't excel. So the point is, it could be years until you find another Derek Carr. And that all argues with keeping him and paying him handsomely. Well, Lee, let me ask you: as 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 an agent, if you're if you have a quarterback of that stature entering that that final year, which is not a guaranteed year, right? Would you would you would you advise him to play it out if the team didn't come to a deal before you hit training camp because of that position, or do you think that teams today in the NFL, unless they have a screw loose, uh, are smarter than that and they know what you just said, which is if you have an unhappy quarterback or if you have an unsettled situation, it's not good for the overall team. Well, remembering that I'm not giving advice, Derek Carr's got a fine agent, and I'm not. Right. I don't want to give him advice or second guess what they're doing but look this is not checkers it's not <laughs> croquet and so that player entering that year knows that with in an instant his football career could be over Absolutely. or greatly hampered so what he wants is a new signing bonus an extension and a number of years of guarantee and where that comes in to benefit the team is because when a player's salary gets too large, all of it counts against the cap, right. whereas the bonus that you'd be paid is spread out in cap charge over the number of years. So you can extend a player 
replace a big salary by giving him a bonus in New Year's and drop the cap hit dramatically enough that you it, it, it has an impact. So there's advantages to both sides. One last question, Lee. I appreciate you spending so much time with us uh, tonight. Uh, but you look at the the situation with Major League Baseball and 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 a labor stoppage, in essence, a lockout. The NFL has avoided that, right? Uh, the players have have made new collective bargaining agreements uh, over the last several terms and have been able to avoid that. What is it about the NFL ownership and player group uh, that that makes labor strife just less likely to happen than it did in the past? So I don't think you would uh, call uh, football players the advance guard of the Bolshevik Workers' Party. <laughs> storming the ground, right? <laughs> They're, they have short careers. They know they can be knocked out at any time. Um, if they were to have a strike and sit out for games, that's 25% of their income as opposed to baseball where it's 1-160. One, one it would be 4 162 uh, so a very tiny percentage. Uh, they've won most of what they've won in the court. But I think there's a generalized recognition that the reason that pro football, one of the key reasons, is so prominent is that since 1987, all the energy is focused on the play on the field, building new stadia, expanding the TV contracts, developing fantasy sports, selling memorabilia, all of the action has gone that way, and they basically, uh, for 35 years, the fans know the games are going to be played. You're not force-feeding fans an unremitting diet of athletic misbehavior or, or contract hassles. And if you think in the midst of a cratered economy in ways and pandemic, and high gas prices, this is the right time to be, you know, having millionaires against billionaires. Uh, they should keep all of this quiet in the background and just emerge before the last contract uh, expires with a new deal. Absolutely. Lee Steinberg, the great Lee Steinberg. Listen, we appreciate you spending so much time with us, and we hope to catch up with you again in the near future. My pleasure. Go Raiders. Again, thanks to Lee Steinberg. Great conversation there. Calvin Ridley to Derek Carr to baseball. Uh, just amazing. Uh, and I bring back my partner, uh, Evan Grote. Evan, uh, Lee Steinberg there. On the Derek Carr situation, you heard what he said. What did you think? Well, I, I, you know, I think I thought he made a lot of sense, uh, especially when he said, you know, it is a quarterback driven league. And I, I've always been in that belief and it either you have one or you don't. And, and I think that is, you know, he nailed it. That is the big question that, uh, Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels have to answer is, do they feel that, that Derek Carr is the quarterback that can take them to the next level? I mean, and, and if that answer is no, then, you know, they, they have some, some, some questions here. You know, you, you keep hearing his name pop up in trade rumors, you know, that happens every year. Who knows if that's true or not, but he is a, a hot commodity right now. Uh, you know, if he should become available, but, uh, as I have said, and I know you and Mo have said, uh, unless there is a better option available, mm -hmm. if, if you have to have a plan B. If you're going to move on from Derek Carr, which I don't think they will, um, you, you have to have a plan B. And I don't think they have one right now. The quarterback class in the draft is, is not a good one. Obviously, the free agent market, it, you know, there's nothing there better than what you currently have. So um, exactly. I just don't see, I don't see a move happening with Derek yeah, Carr this year. Yeah. And Lee said that just a minute ago. He said, look, you know, you have to have, what are you, what are you going to 
right? And this is a question I know I've seen you ask on Twitter. Mo and I have asked uh, when we interact with fans on Twitter, uh, and it's the same thing. Now, again, if Indy comes to you, because that's been the big rumor, if Indy comes to you and gives you a deal that you can't refuse, then you consider it. But again, nothing, it's a business. Nothing is off the table, but I believe he will be back. And I don't, I don't, I don't really have any doubt he will be barring some earth shattering kind of deal. Um, and, and that's the way it's going to be. But you look at the AFC West and we talked about this earlier, Evan, in the first segment, and that is the AFC West I don't think the Raiders are in a position where they can say, hey, we're going to tear it down again and rebuild because then you might not catch up for five, six, seven years. Yeah, and I don't think Josh McDaniels takes this job um, and then a couple of weeks later says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to trade, you know, arguably a top 12 quarterback in this league yes. and, and yes. completely rebuild this team. I, I just don't see that happening. Um, and, and, and I know that some of the, some people in the fan base, they'd like to see that happen. And then the other half obviously does not want to happen again. My personal belief is I don't, I don't think Josh McDaniels takes this job to then trade the quarterback. But I will say, I didn't think John Gruden would take the job <laughs> and then trade to Leo Mack. So, I don't, oh, anything, boy. anything is possible. But like it you is. said, if, if if they get a Godfather offer, you know, an offer they can't refuse, you throw in some some good players, a couple of, uh, first round picks, you never know. But again, I, I just don't see it happening. No, I think the Raiders are going to spend a lot more time and a lot more money on going out and filling the other spots they need to, especially with some of these guys that are hitting the streets and and might be available versus trade. So it's going to be an, another interesting week, and we will be back here to talk about it on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Evan, I appreciate you sitting in for Mo, and I know we'll have you on again real soon. Absolutely, anytime, and I I hope I made Mo proud. (laughs) I'm sure. Uh, All right, well, listen, that's the end of the show. We appreciate you, everybody, being with us. Make sure you check us out, silverandblacktonight.com, where you can get the archive of the show. Also, follow me on Twitter, at LVGully. You can follow Mo, at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and watch out for all of our work online. For everyone here at Silver and Black tonight and the Mightier 1090 ESPN, have a great weekend, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.